RP3 is ready to step his game up and grab the mic for the latest edition of the Rap Game Podcast. Here is Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. There are very few individuals that ever make it to the National Football League, and there's even fewer that make it to the league's grandest stage, the Super Bowl. It's even rare to have someone hold up the Lombardi Trophy not once, but twice. But the two guests we have on this episode of the Rap Game Podcast did exactly that. Gary Reasons is the only three-time All-American in Northwestern State football history. He would later go on to play in the NFL for nine seasons, eight of those as a member of the New York Football Giants, where he won Super Bowl XXI and Super Bowl XXV. And Gary joins us now here on the Rap Game Podcast to talk about his Super Bowl experience. Gary, good day, brother. Thank you for making the time. How are you? I am doing fine and good to talk to you. It's Super Bowl week. That's right. It's right. Let me ask you this. As a former player, as a former starter in the NFL, and as a former Super Bowl starter, do you still get excited about this week, uh, even though you're not playing and your playing days are long behind you? You know, I'm still so so much involved in football. It's with me every single week throughout the football season. And, and yes, you do get a little bit of the juice still still floating going because, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's part of you. It's part of, part of being in your blood. And being on the the winning end of a couple of Super Bowl championships, uh, you know, I dialogue all the time with people about Super Bowls, the experience, and what it's like, and I just love it. It's it's just part of me, and and certainly I I enjoy these times. When you were growing up, and then you got to Northwestern State, and you were playing for the Demons, did you ever envision yourself daydream that you were going to one day be a two-time Super Bowl champion? You know, <laughs> trying to project out. That far, it's really too hard. You know, when I would, uh, growing up in Crowley, Texas, south of Fort Worth, I was a Metroplex kid. My goal, basically, just to get a scholarship to college. You know, my, no one in my family had ever been to college, and that was the, the first goal of mine. And I was a little bit more projected on trying to get my education and getting that uh, squared away. But, you know, I was a big frame kid. I was a 6'4 kid coming out of high school, what, 215 pounds as a senior, and I got Northwestern State. I figured I got in there about 230 pounds, 35 pounds as a as a, as a freshman, sophomore, and I just kind of grew into it. And uh, it was a good fit for me. But I really did not was not projecting myself to go on and do great things uh, at the NFL level. But it, it all kind of happened out. You have a very good career, even great career there with Northwestern State, uh, which helped you later down the road be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, three-time All-American. So walk me through, when you're wrapping up your career with the Demons up there in Natchitoches, what did you think your draft prospects were going to be, and what was that process like back then? Yeah, it's really different uh, back in that day because you know we didn't have as much social media, didn't really have anything, you know, didn't have email, so to speak. This was back in uh, – in the spring of 1984, so I just concluded my, my years there at Northwestern State in the, the fall of 83 with that season. And, you know, when you move into, you know, a new opportunity with the NFL, there were, had been scouts and uh, who had come through and, you know, basically were kind of commenting to the coaching staff and myself that, you know, I, I should be a you know draft pick possibly as early as a second-round pick. Uh, it didn't happen. I, I fell to the fourth round, but you know, I was glad to have that. And uniquely, I was I was picked to go to the Big Apple, you know, go go, go play for the New York Giants. And 
uh, it was a great fit for me. But, uh, you know, they had some great linebackers prior to me. And I'm like, why are they drafting me to the Giants? <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of those things just didn't add up. But uh, I made the most of my opportunities, and it worked out well. Tell me, what was it like being part of the Big Blue Wrecking Crew back in the day there in the 80s? It was it was special. It really was, because I think that we kind of embodied the uh, the type of person that lived in, in New Jersey, northern New Jersey. I tell you, it's kind of a, a hotbed Guy, the working guys, you know, you might hear about the the big city, but we didn't interact with New York City so much because we were in in uh, East Rutherford and New Jersey, and uh, you know, we were just kind of blue collar. It's pretty simple, you know. We got to get down to work, and it was tough. It was physical. Parcells was our coach, and you know, he was that guy. He was a New Jersey guy, and you know, we kind of embodied you know his type of attitude, and then we played tough, physical, and that was our brand of brand of football back then, and and it, and it worked out. You played with a linebacking crew that includes Harry Carson and Carl Banks, yourself, and, of course, Lawrence Taylor. Uh, any stories you can tell that is uh, going to be okay to be told on the radio there, Gary? <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell you quite a few. Well, actually, you know, the whole part about our linebacking group was we're all 6'4", 245, 250 pounds. We're big. Today's linebackers are not that size. You know, they're, they're a lot more of a speed run game. Your linebackers today are more like 6'2", six 6'1", six but they run like crazy and a lot of strong safeties. Back then, it was more of a physical pound in there. Every, every down, it's kind of almost a running down for sure and, uh, or play-action pass. So, you know, we were bigger body guys. We all played together well. I didn't earn anything myself, and Banks were drafted in, in 1984 in, that, in, that, in that, uh, that draft, and we came to the Giants, and they had just released – couple of guys, Brian Kelly, who's an inside linebacker, and Brad Van Pelt, who was an outside linebacker. Both of them were exceptional linebackers throughout their career. And we had to kind of fight our, our way onto, the, onto the, the team. And we started after our sixth game of the year and uh, kind, of, kind of solidified a linebacking core that stayed together for, for the better part of seven and a half years. It was, it was pretty special. Gary, a lot of intense guys on that defense. Who was the most intense guy to play with? Well, you got to look at number 56, old good old Lawrence Saylor. And really, when you looked at him, I looked at him as when I came in as a rookie and just some of the special skills and athleticism that he had. Uh, I think that he literally could be designated the, the best defensive player of all time in the history of the NFL. You know, just from what I saw as, as a young guy, you know, Belichick was our linebacker coach back in the day. And after minicamp, I remember him showing us a tape, a cut up tape to the rookies. We came in after our last practice. He said, "Vets, you guys are done for camp. We'll see you. In, we'll see you at camp." And he said, "The rookies just stay here." So he kicks his feet up on the tables, turns on the projector, and he goes, "Guys, if you want to play football for the New York Football Giants, this is what it takes." He turned on the projector, and it's a uh, about a ten-minute uh, highlight film of Lawrence Taylor in his early days with the Giants. He was drafted in '81, just making you know just these phenomenal plays, covering kicks, punts. Uh, strip sacks, you know, interceptions, and just running guys down and just pummeling people. It was a physical uh, thing that I, I just just was in awe of, and I'm like, wow, this is a, this is intense. And when he got to physically play next to Lawrence, and you could see some of the things that he did, he truly was a special uh, a special athlete and a guy that uh, most offenses did not want to go against because he made them look silly. So. Uh, he was probably the most uh, most dominating guy of our era in in in, in football, uh, and that's the truth. We're talking with Northwestern State All American 
and two-time Super Bowl champion for the New York Giants. Linebacker Gary Reasons joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, Gary, let's get to the 1986 season because 85, you guys have a great year. You win your first-round playoff game against the 49ers, but then you get shut out by the Bears, who, of course, go on to win the Super Bowl. What was the mindset during that offseason heading into training camp of the 86 year? Well, we felt like we could have won the championship in 85. We didn't play well in Chicago. The weather kind of got us, and it bit us early, and our offense just wasn't able to move the ball defensively. The Bears were, were, were stellar that year. There's no doubt about that. So they got the best of, it, best of us that time. But our 86 team was really poised, and we were ready to go, although we lost our opening ball game. And I think that kind of hit us in the mouth, and, and we said, you know what, from here on out, we got to buckle down, and we did. We went 14-2 and in the regular season, and – Really, we just steamrolled through the rest of, our, of the of the season on into the playoffs, and um, you know that nothing was going to stand in our way of a championship there. And we took care of business against the Denver Broncos, thirty nine to twenty, in that Super Bowl. So it was a special run. It was a culmination of a team that grew up kind of from nineteen eighty four, that draft class, eighty five and eighty six, those classes coming together, and then building some of the pieces you need to sustain. You know, it's a long NFL season, and you have to kind of kind of fight your way through it and we had a couple of bumps throughout on the road there but uh, the 86 team and 86 season were really special most Giants fans say hey that was the most tremendous season ever uh, in the history of the New York Giants that 86 team was unique you guys end the season there in Pasadena in the Rose Bowl you take on John Elway and the Broncos were you guys that confident heading into the matchup despite as well as John played, especially there in the 80s, did you guys feel that it was without a doubt you guys were going to win the the Lombardi? We had a lot of confidence in our team. Uh, We were a team that was built that we did not self-destruct. Uh, what that means is we had a good, strong, powerful defense. We knew if they couldn't score, they didn't score, they couldn't, we couldn't lose. Uh, and our offense was playing at the way where you don't make mistakes. Uh, you know, Phil Sims had a tremendous ball game, 22 of 25 in the Super Bowl, just electric, and uh, that's a record still to today. And it's it's an amazing accomplishment for him, to, for a, for a quarterback who had kind of early part of his career with the Giants, he was often injured, but now he was seemingly indestructible. They couldn't get him off the field. He just had a heck of a season. And our defense just kind of was was the piece that kind of made everything happen because we were so physical and dominating. Teams didn't want to play us, and our offense just did enough to get by and win, and, and it was a good formula. And that's kind of what Parcells football was all about. You guys go back to the Super Bowl again for Super Bowl 25. That was obviously, obviously for the 1990 season. Uh, the year ends in Tampa there in the Super Bowl. Obviously one of the most dramatic Super Bowls ever. Um, against uh, your guys' win against the Buffalo Bills. What do you remember most from that game? <laughs> that was a, a unique time. Uh, you know, we were actually in the Gulf War, you know, so typically we would have two weeks before the conference championship game and the start of the Super Bowl. Well, because of activity in the Gulf War, we had to basically just take out the practice prep week. We just played the next week. So we played our NFC championship game in, in San Francisco, which we beat the 49ers, and we flew directly from San Francisco to Tampa. So we did not have the extra week to prepare. Um, and really one of the things that are around there was the, just the times was uncertainty. You know, So we had a chain-link fence that they had erected around Tampa Stadium um, just to keep everything out and keep it protected. And, boy, it was really kind of a strange 
strange time, but you know, the ball game you know went on as planned, and and everything fell into place. Uh, the Bills were definitely a high-powered offense. Obviously, they're running in the in the '90s as far as getting to four Super Bowl uh, appearances. Although they didn't win any, but uh, they were a great team, and they had a big-time offense. And Jim Kelly was obviously a, one of the top quarterbacks in the league, and had a good receiving core to throw to. And, and Thurman Thomas was as good as you can get in the NFL in those days. So we beat a very uh, a capable opponent in the Super Bowl, and we're very proud of it. And uh, you know, one of the you know the last things that people will remember is just wide right because that the kick that uh, Scott Norwood had that could have beat us on that in that ball game just sailed to the right just a little bit, and uh, we went on to win it. Wrapping up our conversation here with former Northwestern State three-time All-American and a man who played nearly a decade in the National Football League as a starting linebacker, winning two Super Bowls with the New York Giants, Gary Reasons joining us here on RP3 and Company. All right, Gary, uh, I have to ask you, where are your Super Bowl rings right now? Super Bowl rings right now are in a, a well-hidden uh, place in my home. I'm in my office looking here. I keep the boxes with the Super Bowl rings. Or they're not in there, but the boxes that they came in are on my, on my shelves here just to kind of give a little uh, – Little eye candy to the room, but uh, yeah, I, I I use those rings as as fun pieces. I travel with them and uh, mosey over to people, let let little kids try them on, and Giants fans especially when I travel, and uh, they really get a kick out of it. But I go to meetings and and uh, business meetings and bring those in and break the ice with people. And boy, you can you get people kind of are like pretty giddy once you start uh, handling a couple of Super Bowl rings, and <laughs> things kind of go in your favor from there. So I've learned I've learned a couple of business tricks as well. Yeah, I have to tell you, Gary, one time I met Kenny Stabler, and he was wearing his ring when I met him, and I shook his hand, and I just couldn't get my mind wrapped around just how enormous <laughs> the Super Bowl ring is. People, you think it's big because you see it on, you know, online or you see photos of it, but it's really just the, the, the biggest ring you'll ever see in your entire life, right? Yeah, we've got uh, the two that we have are not as ostentatious as what they currently have today. The Giants are a very... You know, they're a conservative organization, and back then we we had pretty conservative rings, but they were in their own right. They had they were they're pretty good and they're pretty cool. Uh, I wouldn't want them any bigger. And you know, I've actually had the misfortune of wearing two rings on one hand at one time, and somebody shakes my hand, and, and I leave that that handshake in pain <laughs> because they can squeeze your hand so hard that it hurt. You don't have any strength between your fingers. Just think about that. And uh, uh, that's just one of the tidbits of learning how to deal with Super Bowl rings. You don't wear two of them on the same hand and shake somebody else's hand. Otherwise, it, you're going to be in pain. No, that's that's not a bad problem to have, brother. All right, I need to get your thoughts. How do you like this game? Who do you like in this game, rather, Gary, between the Bengals and the Rams? You know, I'm a Joe Burrow fan. I like him. I like what he does. He, he's kind of got that moxie and – you know, he's just got that string of things. He's always improving, getting better. Joe Mixon, the run game that the that the Bengals has, very very potent there. Boy, and I tell you, you know, with Jamar Chase, how can you how can you not like that combination throwing to? I think their offense is going to give them a chance to win this game. However, I think that the defense from the Rams is probably going to be the nemesis of the Bengals here in this one because I don't think that they've seen a pass rush like the Rams can put on there especially with Aaron Donald when he's involved. There's nobody in the NFL that can block Aaron Donald, and I think he's going to be a disrupting force. And I believe that uh, the old quarterback there for, for the Rams, 
uh, moving from the Detroit Lions. He did a great job of moving uh, to the right place, and I think he's going to get a win. He's got a great receiver in Cooper Cup to, to throw to, and, and Odell Beckham Jr., he's got a great compliment there. He came in this year and, and, has, and has done a great, great, great uh, job. I think the Rams win it in a close game at the end and kind of put a bow on the Cinderella story of playing at home for the second year in a row. A, a team that plays at home is going to win the Super Bowl in their own stadium, so I picked the Rams. And I know that pains you because you wrapped up your career playing one final season with the Cincinnati Bengals too. So you're being so you're being you're being honest, Gary. Appreciate your time, brother. Thank you so much, and uh, enjoy Super Bowl week. And we'll talk to you soon, brother. Thank you. Take care, guys. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns have sent many players to the National Football League, many stars playing on Sunday, and they've sent more than a handful of guys that have made it to the Super Bowl. That's right, the sport's grandest stage, and our next guest is one of those gentlemen. He won two Super Bowls as a player, the first one in his second season in the league with the Baltimore Ravens, and then won another one as a member of the Indianapolis Colts. It's our privilege to welcome back the one and only, the All-American, the Raging Cajun legend himself, Brandon Stokely. Brandon, good day, brother. How are you, my friend? Doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you making the time. First question, bud, do you ever get tired of talking about your playing days and winning Super Bowls, or do you just maybe get tired of talking to me about it? Because I ask you about <laughs> it every year, it seems like. way. No, you, you never get tired of talking about it. Uh, it brings back good memories, and... Uh, you know, I'm 45 right now, and so it's always good to reflect and look back. And it's, you know, it's not really about the Super Bowl ring itself, and and that moment it obviously was special. But it's it's a bond that you have, it's the memories that you made, and and that's what it's all about. And uh, that's what makes those uh, times so special. Um, certainly, it's it's fun to accomplish those things and to to win it all. But then all of a sudden, that kind of goes away. But it's the memories you have and the bonds that you have built. And so it's always great to reflect on, on, on great things that have happened in your life. So certainly I, I do love this time of year. I love the Super Bowl, and I, I love talking about it. You know, you were a star at Como High School. Then you played for your pops at, you know, with the Raging Cajuns. You had a great career there, All-American career, record-setting career. But during that time, did you imagine yourself or allow yourself to daydream, hey, I'm going to one day be holding a Lombardi trophy in my, in my hand as a player, just not as a guy that maybe grabs it on a tour, but an actual player. Yeah, no, I, I never um, could have visioned that. Uh, yeah, I was hoping to be able to play a few years in the NFL, and I thought that would be great. And um, it just, you know, you, you you look at it and like you're playing at a smaller college, and the NFL is like a whole nother level. Can I compete with those guys? And uh, man, I was just hoping I could I could get there and and maybe last a couple of years was what would have been a dream come true and and certainly did the vision uh winning a super bowl playing in the super bowl all that comes with it and uh, being able to catch a touchdown in that in that game in my second year uh in the nfl and um you know and then to go on and play 15 years never never would have dreamt that and imagined that and, and certainly um had a lot of help along the way and uh, very fortunate and, and played for a lot of great organizations, had a lot of great teammates also. Uh, but no, I, I couldn't, I couldn't allow myself to, to dream that big, really. You know, we'll get to your Super Bowl experience, but I, I want you to walk us through. You get into the league, you're drafted by the Baltimore Ravens. They're starting to build something there with Brian Billick as the head coach. Did you, when did you get a sense that, hey, this organization is primed to make a run to the Super Bowl? 
Yeah, it uh, you know as my second year, and uh, we, we weren't. It wasn't like we were a great team that year. Uh, we were trying to kind of find our way, find our identity. It was Brian Billick, uh, his second year there, and uh, my second year in the NFL. And I'm young and naive, and not really knowing what the NFL is about, and just trying to keep my head down and keep my job, and uh, for another week, you know. And that's kind of was my mentality. And it wasn't like I said, it wasn't like we were a great team, and. Uh, we were playing a different style of football. We weren't very good offensively. Had a good defense, uh, obviously. And uh, once we got in the playoffs, so we really got into a groove and uh, a lot of confidence there. Just kind of rode our defense and our running game and tried to make a few plays in the passing game and uh, won some close football games and got hot at the right time. And it's a like you see with Cincinnati right now, it wasn't like they were a great regular season football team, but they, they're hot. Um, and they're riding that momentum into the playoffs. That's kind of how we were in Baltimore, and just kind of riding our defense. And they played great, and um, but but never really thought this is a Super Bowl team. Never thought that. You know, it was like one obstacle after another. We had Denver at home, and, and took care of them pretty easily. And then Titans on the road. That was always a tough game for us, a rivalry game. And then had to go cross country to play the Raiders in Oakland, um, who are a really good football team. So it was one of those things where it was just week by week. Never really thought that this was a Super Bowl team, and uh, until we we beat Oakland, it's like wow, we're we're actually going to the Super Bowl. You know, a lot of guys. You know, the moment can be overwhelming for them playing in the Super Bowl. But what was more intimidating for you, Brandon? Was it? getting to the Super Bowl in your second year, or was it having to receive a hit in practice from Ray Lewis? You can be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I was – our defense all the way around uh, had, had a lot of great players on there. You know, you look at Ray Lewis and the the Rod Woodsons and the Dwayne Starks and the McAllister uh, and Tony Saragoose. I mean, we just uh, – just a – just a lot of great players. And so it was tough day in and day out going up against those guys. Um, and certainly Ray Lewis was a, was a catalyst of that defense. And um, I just try to avoid those guys as much as possible. Be so nice to them, buy them lunch. <laughs> what, what do they need? Get them Christmas gifts, you know? Um, so, 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 uh, you know, kind of butter them up a little bit. That was my philosophy. I like that. Get on their good side so they don't lay the wood on you in practice and knock you out of a game. Uh, That's it. <laughs> Let's talk, you know, you guys were a defensive-minded team, and that's what that team's known for. And I know people look back and they say, well, Trent Dilfer was this game manager. As a guy who was on the offense and who and a guy who caught a touchdown pass in that actual Super Bowl, does that offend you at all when people look back at that team and go, oh, well, you know, they were limited on offense when you were one of the guys that was an impact player for the Ravens offense during that Super Bowl run? No, not at all. Um, look, I'm not dummy. Uh, our defense was great. Our offense, uh, we struggled uh, throughout the, the course of the year. Um, and we found our identity, though. And, um, you know, we, we made some plays to help our defense out. We ran the football well. And, uh, like I said, we just tried to make a few plays offensively uh, in the passing game and, and, and hopefully run the ball well, don't turn it over, play good complimentary football. That's not an insult. Um you know, we did our job. It's it's a team effort, and uh, certainly our defense was a better part of the team, but that's okay. Uh, we were a big part of, of um, doing what it took to win a football game, and, um, you know, it's not an individual sport, and so you have to do your job, whether you're, you know, the best on the team or not the best on the team. It doesn't matter. Like, you're a part of that team, and 
whether you're a practice squad guy, a starter, or a backup, it, it takes everyone to win a Super Bowl. Um, and, and you might not be the star, uh, but that doesn't matter. you got to do your job. And certainly offensively, we did our job. And, um, and so, uh, uh, you know, we were a big part of that. Uh, maybe not the biggest part, but we were a big part of that. And certainly Trent Dilfer um, was the captain of that offense. And we followed his lead and his toughness and what it meant to that football team and how he played and how he led us uh, was a huge part of us winning that Super Bowl. We're talking with Raging Cajun, All-American, Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, and a man who won two Super Bowl championships in a career that saw him catch nearly 400 passes for more than 5,300 yards and 39 touchdowns. The one and only Brandon Stokely joins us here. All right, Brandon, walk me through the play that you scored the touchdown on in the Super Bowl. Break it down X and O's wise, how it was called and how it was executed. Yeah, you know, the play was, um, you know, I was just had a seam read, which, you know, if they play cover two, you kind of bend it t- towards the middle, and I was in the right slot. Uh, if they play a single high safety, you kind of just take it up the seam. And um, it was a defense that I was prepared for. My, my receiver coach, uh, the late Milt Jackson, had me prepared for this defense. We watched film. I saw it. I knew exactly what they were going to be doing and uh, knew exactly what I was going to do. And so felt great about it, felt calm and relaxed, and like it just just was really prepared for what I saw out there. And um, they ended up they were going to double the two inside guys, which is going to be me and Shannon Sharp. And um, I knew for me, I wanted to take care of the outside guy, which was Jason Seahorn. He was he had outside leverage on me, and so I wanted to set him up, make him think I was going to run like a five yard out route option route, and then just go by him and. Uh, you know, hopefully Trent could could throw the football away from the other defender that was supposed to be doubling me, and it turned out that the other defender that was supposed to be doubling me and helping uh, Seahorn out actually blew the coverage a little bit and went more towards Shannon Sharp's side. So there was like three guys on Shannon Sharp, and um, you know, worked out perfectly. A little bit of luck involved there. Then, you know, I was able to get open up the seam, and uh, Trent just made a great throw and. You know, I saw that ball going up in the air, and it's like, just oh my gosh, is, is this real right now? I mean, I, I'm open. I got a chance to catch this thing. That's going to be great. Now, can I get in the end zone? And then when I, I got, I was able to get in the end zone. You know, just so much excitement there uh, to be able to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And and then my next thought process when I got to the bench was, oh my gosh, we got to win this game. Who cares if you catch a super a touchdown in the Super Bowl if you lose? Right? That means nothing. It's like we got to we got to win this game if we win it. Now, you know, it just means so much more, and we were able to do that. So that was it. When the confetti starts to fall, as you guys were able to beat the Giants, what's that feeling like? Can you share that with us? Well, it's just an unbelievable feeling. You know, I just never thought I would be there. It's like the Super Bowl. You Just two years ago, you know, I was in Lafayette watching it on TV, and now here I am. I'm, I'm on that stage. How is this even possible? You know, I just – I never fathomed that. Never, never. Like I said earlier, never, never really dreamed that uh, that's a really a, a possibility. Uh, and and there I was on the biggest stage of them all, uh, winning a Super Bowl. It's just like you can't even wrap your head around it. Um, just such a great feeling. And you know, the, really for me, the really coolest part. And that was great. And you get in the locker room and you're celebrating with your teammates. But the after party um, for me is 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 kind of what I remember the most, you know, being next to my dad and my grandfather and sitting at a big table and, and there you are, and you're just kind of reflecting on your life and your journey and the people that helped get you there. My sisters were there. Um, and, and so 
uh, it just just being able to look at them and thank them for all the support and the help along the way. But um, to be able to share that moment with them, you know, like I said, my grandfather was on my left, my dad was on my right, and, um, and it was just so special. It's just so so very special to be able to share that moment with the people that helped get you there. And to me, that that's what it was all about. Um, the journey wasn't just me by myself. There's so many people along the way, and certainly there's a lot more than, than there at the table. But my dad and my grandfather was such a big part of my life, and, and to be able to share that moment with them was, was so special. Brandon, you had a tremendous career, a lengthy career, more than a decade playing in the league. You got a chance to win another Super Bowl, but that one was a little bit different. You got injured during that season. You couldn't play in that game. What's the emotions like, the difference between playing in the game and winning it and being on the sidelines due to an injury and not being able to play but still winning? It sucks. Uh, I don't know how else to frame it, uh, phrase it. It's just like, I don't know, it's depressing. It's it's tough. I mean, I've been there. I played in the game, and I was on a great team in Indy for four years, and we were so close, and we had so many great teams, and um, you want so bad to have that moment again, right? I know what it's like. I want that moment again. Um, and then the, you, your team finally gets there, and you're not a part of it. It's I don't know. I mean, it's that it's it's an awful feeling you're happy for your teammates thrilled for the organization and for the city of indy um and for my teammates but it's a it's it's tough you know there's some dark moments there and it's some you're depressed and you're you're lonely you know it's like you feel removed because you're really not a part of it um and so it's 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 really it's it's difficult when you're injured and the team that you're on is playing in the super bowl and i mean it was it was really difficult time for me um, to go through that and to, and to be, you know, like I said, we were fighting and clawing to get there, and we finally get there, and, and you're not a part of it. Uh, it's not fun. Where do you have your Super Bowl rings right now? I can't tell you that. You can't. You, you... <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just saying. Come on, did... man. You think I'm telling you? Think I'm telling you where my rings? No, are? I can't no. Put that out on the street. <laughs> no, there it is. There it is. No, because you're, you're worried that they'll end up in a pawn shop somewhere. Yeah, I got you. But no, do 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 you have them? I'm saying, like, do you, uh, do you look at the internet these days, man? I mean, look. It's the, I mean, who was it? It was a Mike Vrabel. He got his ring stolen. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, uh, you people. Know, I got I you. Mean... I got you, brother. I got you. I got you. All right. It's a fair point. This is a fair point. I didn't think. Of it that way, uh, but you're you're more grounded in reality than I am. I didn't even think about uh, it. That uh, way. Uh, but so, I'll tell you this: I'll tell you this. I don't really get them out that much. Um, okay. And you know, there's certain things that I do. You'd like to wear your Super Bowl ring to it, but they're just Super Bowl rings, right? That's not what it's about. They're cool. They're fun, and people look at them. They like to see them. I it doesn't do much for me. It really doesn't. I don't. I'm not that person that likes to be the flashy person that wears them around and. and to me, that's just a tension grabber. It's cool though. You you earn those, and you know you should be you should feel proud to wear them. I just I just think that they're kind of a thing that that shows you off, and that's not really who I am. Unless I'm going to an event or something where I think kids would like to see them, or right. or even adults would like to see them. I don't really wear them. It's not about the ring for me. It's about the memories. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. All right, one more, Brandon. We we'll get you out of here with this, brother. Uh, give me your prediction. Look, you played in the league. You won a couple of rings. You analyze it now. You talk about sports for a living. Who do you like in this Super Bowl? Do you like Joe Burrow and the Bengals, or do you like the Los Angeles Rams? I like the Rams, um, and I like the Rams for, for really one reason, and it's their defensive front. 
And you saw the Titans and how they were able to get after Burrow with their front, and they sacked him nine times. Now, since he was still able to win, but uh, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, and the best in the business right in the middle is Aaron Donald. Uh, what, how are you going to stop those guys and slow those guys down? Um, and if there's Achilles heel, really, with the, with the Bengals' offense, they got skill positions. We know Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. I mean, they are electric, and they can score in a heartbeat. But it's that offensive line. And, you know, those pressure bust pipes, well, if you can get pressure on any quarterback in the league, they're going to look human. And, and so I, I think uh, the front of the Rams is the key to this game. If they can get pressure on Burrow, which I think they can with, with the guys that they have, it, it makes life miserable and tough. Uh, at the quarterback position. So I, I, I'm going Rams because of their front four defensively. Yeah, and I've never seen a guy play behind such a porous offensive line make the Super Bowl. He's the first guy to ever be sacked more than 50 times Brandon, <laughs> to make the Super Bowl. It's um, it's ridiculous to me how bad that offensive line is. They even try to they hold. they got to get it fixed. You know, they got to get that fixed moving forward. Um, you know, they took Chase there in the top ten. They didn't get an offensive lineman. Well, that turned out to be a pretty darn good pick. But man, you can't ignore your offensive line. You, you gotta, you gotta put your re, all your resources into that group to keep Burrow healthy. Brandon, it's always a pleasure when you give your time for us to to catch up, brother. Thank you so much for being gracious and enjoy watching the game. And we'll talk to you soon, brother. You got it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That's going to do it for this special Super Bowl two-time champion episode of the Rap Game Podcast. Once again, thanks to the two former All-Americans from Northwestern State and from UL, Gary Reasons and Brandon Stokely, for hopping on here and sharing their memories for competing and winning multiple Super Bowl championships. If you want to check out any previous episodes of the Rap Game Podcast, not to worry, simply go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and you can check it out by clicking on the podcast tab and clicking on Rap Game. They're all there for your convenience. Until next time, y'all be safe out there, be kind to one another.